This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The Darkness Awaits. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mix in just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Hi, I'm Jimbo. And I'm Terrence. And we are the host of the Tragedy of Cinema podcast, which is a family-friendly podcast mostly about older movies. Join us as we discuss facts, trivia, lesser-known facts, and give our opinions on the movies that we cover for that week. Simply go to your favorite podcast app or program, search for The Tragedy of Cinema, and hit that subscribe button. Thank you for your support. And that's a wrap on this promo. And cut. Hey guys, welcome to episode 154 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. We are burning up. Yes, we are. It's hot in our house because the air conditioner froze up. So I had to sit there for 45 minutes with a blow dryer. (laughs) Which made it even hotter. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just now starting to kind of cool off. So we're a little later than normal trying to record because it was literally about 85 degrees in our upstairs. Yeah, it was really bad. In our elaborate bedroom slash studio. (laughs) (laughs) You got to be comfy. We want to start off by thanking all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank you, guys and gals, for what you do. It means the world to us. It sure does. Freedom does not come cheap. That's exactly right. Please I, stay I, safe, I, y'all. I whistled a little bit like that guy from uh, the pedophile from Don't Family Guy. Don't pedophile, you. Well, he is. That's gross. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> okay, so tonight's show... Is going to be kind of cool because if you came to a couple of the live events, Bobby Mackey's and the Houston shows, we did a story there that we're actually going to do on tonight's show. Mm-hmm. So if you've been to one of those shows, you've already heard this, but maybe there was so much going on you didn't pay full attention or the constant feedback from the system or Gee, something. Seriously. But this will be a better version of the story anyway because we actually had time to sit and, and work through it unlike being at the live show. On top of that, we do have some bonus stuff for you. We have Kaylee and Jeremy from According to an Idiot podcast. Mm-hmm. You guys have probably never heard of this show because um, they're really just kind of getting started. But I'm telling you, once you hear them, you will go and download and you'll start listening. Trust me you, on this one. I, I don't preach about every podcast we bring on, but the ones I do try to bring on and talk to you guys, it's one I really believe in. So mm-hmm. I'm excited for them to uh, get a little bit of notoriety. They've, they've been trying to get their name out there, and it's it's tough. If you you guys out there that are podcasters or just starting a podcast, you know how tough it is to get your oh, name yeah, out there. Oh, yeah, we sure so knew how tough that's, it was. It doesn't matter how great your show is. If nobody knows to listen, it makes it very hard for you mm-hmm. to to keep it going. So yeah, that'll be great. Yeah, hopefully you guys will like what you hear and you go subscribe to the show and and uh, give them a really good week. All right, 
it's been one of those weeks. A lot of things going on. Where you heard all this stuff about the what is it, the Mercury Metrograde or whatever it's called, retrograde, mm-hmm. where it's supposed to be something to do with Mercury for like the next month, where it just basically just screws everybody's emotions oh, and all that, that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I don't know if any of that stuff's true or not. Some people are really into it. Some people aren't. But the reality of it is there are people out there who are struggling for whatever reason. And if you're one of those people, I want you to pick up the phone and call somebody and talk it out. Trust me, there are people out there who are willing to talk to you. They're friends. They're family members. They're us. They're people in the Heavily uh, Horror Stories group. And there are people at the Suicide Hotline if you're so inclined to do that. 1-800-273-8255. And if you're more of a texter, 741-741. Just please talk to somebody before you do something that um, you won't regret, obviously, because you won't be here. But the people around you will wish that you'd given them an opportunity. Absolutely. Please don't hesitate to call. Any time of the day or night. Okay. So, are we ready for this story? We are ready. I think you guys are going to like this one. This is one that's not really common out there. The ones we were doing in the live shows were ones that hopefully a lot of people hadn't heard, and this one fit the bill. This one's got a little bit of everything in it, and it involves the Warrens a tad bit. So, mm-hmm. All right. This is the story of 966 Lindley Street. It's in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and this began when Gerard and Laura Gooden adopted a four-year-old little girl. She was a Native American descent. She was from up in Canada. Her name was Marcia. Now, you will hear some people say her name is Marcia, and it's spelt that way, but her name is actually pronounced Marcia. Our story is going to start in 1968. Now, let's keep in mind that the home was bought by the Goodens in 1960. So they've lived in this home for eight years without any kind of incidents, okay? Mm-hmm. Marcia was a blessing to the family because the year before they adopted her, the Goodens' six-year-old son had passed away from complications from cerebral palsy. Mm, that's terrible. Now, they chose to adopt because they were afraid of having another child with cerebral palsy. So rather than take that chance... They wanted to adopt a child that was in need already, and Marcia kind of fit the bill. So nice. She was an orphan, and the Goodens felt like she was the perfect choice for them. So for the next five years, there were no incidents in the house, but unfortunately, Marcia had her own incidents occurring outside the house. These were not paranormal incidents. you got to keep in mind, in the 1970s, Being a dark-skinned child, which she was because she was Native American, Mm -hmm. being a dark-skinned child in the 1970s was pretty rough. She was constantly bullied by kids at at her school. One day, a group of these bullies actually started beating on her at school. Now, they had been doing this before, but this was a whole new level on this day. It was so intense that Marcia had to be put into a body brace. What the heck? Now, Laura Gooden was already very protective as a parent with losing a child, as you can imagine. And now she's got this child that's being picked on in school. She decides that she's going to keep Marcia home from school for an extended period of time. It was about six weeks into this that the incidents started occurring in the house that are more of a paranormal nature. Oh, bless her heart. She can't escape anything. (laughs) So it's late autumn of 1973. That's when the first incident was recorded. So it began as gentle knocking sounds shortly after Halloween. 
like on the door at the you like the front door or what? Or yes, no? from the outs from the oh, outside. Okay. And I almost read that wrong because I almost said that was genital knocking sounds. That would have been completely a different haunting. (laughs) (laughs) So Gerard, the dad, he didn't think much of it at first. He just assumed that it was the neighbor kids just trying to start trouble because that's what they were used to having with, with Marcia. The most frequently heard noises was when he was getting ready for work in the morning. This was like early, like five, six o'clock in the morning. Though he thought it was kids, he never caught anybody in the act. They did have a specific set of neighbors, though, that they suspected. Mm-hmm. As time went on, the knocking became louder and more consistent. The neighbors that they had suspected on doing the knocking actually moved out of the neighborhood, and the knocking stopped for two weeks. Oh, so there you go. That You would think. But after that two weeks, it returned, and the Goodens had no explanation this time. So they were starting to become alarmed. The situation on Lindley Street only grew worse and far more malevolent as time went on. What started to happen next could only be described as poltergeist activity. So we had knocking in the morning time. That grew into rattling across the walls at all times of the day. Now when I say rattling, I literally mean like the walls were shaking. No. To the point to where they were rattling. Doors started opening and closing on their own. Maybe it was an earthquake. I don't think they have very many earthquakes up in like the northeast. They don't? No. No, that's more of a California thing. Oh, I thought the whole world could have an earthquake. Well, the whole world can have an earthquake, but I mean, as far as actual... Like fault lines and things like that? Right, yeah, there's fault lines and stuff. We can have earthquakes here, but like... Okay. So I guess theoretically, yes, it could have been, but But probably not. But the old poltergeist. Right. (laughs) <laughs> Let's stick with the poltergeist since that's the stories we're doing. It was oh, not meteorology. That's true. Okay. <laughs> okay. So they would then leave the house and come back only to find that objects in the house had rearranged themselves. So they leave, they come back, and things are in different places than they were when they left. Well, I mean, maybe they didn't like the arrangement of the furniture. It's possible that it wasn't feng shui and yeah, they wanted to go a different yeah. route. In some cases, they were moved to entirely different rooms. Objects began to levitate in front of people. Ooh, that would be so cool. (laughs) Windows would break out in front of witnesses. And when I say break out, I mean break out, not break in, like literally. From the inside out? From the inside out. Oh, wow. So obviously, if if it was the other way, somebody could say, hey, somebody threw a rock or something. Yeah, yeah, there's no explanation for that. Right. Couches and chairs would slide across the floor and knives would pick themselves up off the counter and fly into the walls. Oh, no. That's not cool. Then you got disembodied voices. They started being heard all over the entire house. I wonder what they were saying. They were saying, ooh, I wish I had a body. They might not have said that. Oh, could have been. Even Marcia was known to have levitated on a few occasions. Nice. The Goodens made several calls to the Bridgeport Police Department at the end of 1974. What's amazing is that some of the best testimonies in this case came from the police officers. The things that they saw at this house were recorded in all of their reports, which are still on record today. There were two stone lion statues. You've seen these things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. A lot of people have them in the front of their house, and that's where this one, what these were, right in the front of the house. Officers said that these lions 
turned and followed them with their eyes when they showed up at the house. Wait, like the whole the whole thing turned or just his eyeballs? Well, I don't know. But they made it sound like the whole thing, like the whole head turned. Ooh. I pulled out my... Pow, pow. That was my gun in case y'all didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Other officers said that they could hear the lions roar as they got closer to the house. Officers also noticed much of the levitation in the house, including a large... 450-pound refrigerator, which lifted over six inches off the floor and rotated. Oh, my God. Of course, officers went over there. They checked for wires or any other type of mechanism that could have caused this to happen, and there was nothing. Ain't no daggone wire going to pick up a heavy refrigerator. (laughs) Come up with something else. (laughs) You couldn't have sounded more country. Oh. Was that real country? (laughs) It was pretty much. Oh. So they also watched the family TV set abruptly slam over and bust in the living room. Now, this wasn't the first instance that in, in the house that involved a TV moving. Because remember, we told you earlier that sometimes things would just be in different rooms yeah. or would move. There was one time when the Goodens left the home. When they returned, a TV that was in, Mar- in Marcia's room was sitting on her bed. And the TV was previously on a stand plugged in when they left. Now it's on the bed unplugged. Just sitting there, chilling. Now, is that something she could have lifted up? or just... They weren't there. They were, all, oh, they they were gone. Oh, they weren't even there. No, everybody was gone. There. Everybody was gone. Oh, wow. So with all the eyewitnesses, it's important to point out, this is a three-room, 700-square-foot home. What? This is a little house. That sounds like our daggone uh, Island place in house. the island. Well, sadly, that was just 200 square feet. <laughs> Wait, we only had 200 square feet? Yes. <gasps> 200 square feet. We basically had a hotel room. Are you kidding? Nope. That's all it made the hotel, was? The hotel room that we're staying in at um, uh, on our way to Kansas is 400 square feet. Well, that is ridiculous. <laughs> no wonder we couldn't have two people in the kitchen. Well, that's true. That's true. I had to go in the other room just to change my mind. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Anyways, so that's the situation. So... There's, it's a small house, yeah. so all these people are basically right on top of each other. So it's yeah. kind of hard to, to pull a fast one when you've got somebody right there up your nose. Yeah. A lot of the focus, what? Go ahead. No, what? Up your nose. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the focus was obviously put on Marcia. Because she'd be causing these events either by some type of energy that maybe she's even unaware of, or by a hoax. Either way, 10-year-old Marcia had a rough childhood, and with all the bullying before this and being an orphan, she said that her only friend was Sam. Who's Sam? Sam was her orange cat. Aww. So, obviously, you've got no friends. You've had a tough life. You have tough things going on, so it is possible what, what we've learned on Poltergeist activity usually involving an adolescent usually involving a female usually having a lot of stuff going on emotionally well that's this, what i was gonna say yeah I this mean, fits when she has had so much going on in her life could she almost conjure up the a spirit or you know what i'm saying i'm not a spirit but maybe kind right of the her, poltergeist activity 
yeah, make her make some of that stuff happen. Well, that's kind of what everybody was thinking. Either she was doing it accidentally, mentally, or she was just causing a hoax, which most people didn't think a 10-year-old could do what she was doing. I don't know how that could all happen at all. So, So let's talk about Sam, her orange cat. Sam was not your typical cat. First of all, he had just recently been to the vet for an operation. I don't know what kind of operation. Sam was a male, so oh, I can assume. Oh, must got his I gonads can, taken off? I can assume. When Sam got home from this trip to the vet, he supposedly began to act peculiar. And when I say peculiar, I don't mean it was like trying to scoot its butt on the floor or stuff like that. Yeah, like that's peculiar, does. but that, that happens. That's the weirdest looking stuff, too. I mean, that's because of their anal glands. Oh. I mean peculiar in a way as the cat was trying to talk. Way to go. <laughs> yeah, How an, cool would that he's be? He's an overachiever. Well, it might not be cool if you knew what the cat supposedly was saying. What? Apparently it was a smart-ass cat. Oh, well, most cats are smart. It was like Garfield. It probably, it probably would be, if most cats could talk, they probably would say this kind of stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Gerard, who was French, said that the cat would sometimes get locked in the basement. You know, they had yeah. the, the, the stairway leading down to the basement. The cat would sometimes go down there. Somebody would shut the door, and then the cat's locked down there. Oh, yeah. So the cat, though, would kick and bang at the door. And he would say, let me out, you dirty Frenchman, you dirty <gasps> Greek. Oh, my God. I don't know where the dirty Greek comes in because. He must have just been extra mad. Yeah, I don't know where the, you know, because he said he was French. So, <laughs> so I don't know where the Greek came in at. But anyway, he called him a dirty French, dirty Frenchman and a dirty Greek. Wow. Now that That's going to seem like a far-fetched statement that the cat was trying to talk and the guy. Uh, would yeah. you agree? I would agree, yes. Well, there's a fire department. In this town also, and they got several emergency phone calls from the family as well during that year, because I guess you can only call the police so many times. Yeah, right. So they started calling the fire department, too. Two members of the fire department were the DeRosia brothers. They saw the poltergeist activity firsthand, but they said what was most peculiar to them and what gave them a particular amount of trouble at their visits to the house was the cat. The cat asked one of the DeRosia brothers, how's your son doing? DeRosia said he looked at the cat and said, my son is dead. The cat smugly replied, I know, and then ran off repeatedly calling him a guinea, which is a racial slur for an Italian. That cat is a little bitch. So now you've got the dad saying the cat, now you've got a fireman who just was to the house that says the cat talk. Why does it got to be so mean? And you'll hear more about that coming up. So let's go to November 1974. The events were at its peak, okay? The news of the house made its way to the public, and before you know it, there were crowds of over 2,000 people blocking the street just trying to get a glimpse of the house. Oh, whoa. Lindley Street was barricaded and traffic was backed up for over a mile in several directions leading to the house. Some would stay until nighttime. And some of these people that stayed out there said that supposedly there were some decorative swans in the front yard, which would make unearthly sounds. 
I don't know if they had like a concrete zoo in their yard or what, because first they had concrete lions, yeah. now they got concrete swans. But so I mean, the, but the most of the people were just coming to see the house or the cat. Well, I don't think anybody really knew about the cat. They were just coming because there was there was word of all the the paranormal oh. stuff going on, and the police I mean, coming, the the fire department out there on a regular basis. I'd totally be there for the talking cat myself. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, I would too. It would make a good Disney movie. It would. They made a, well, they had a Disney movie about a talking cat, right? Oh, I'm sure. Wasn't it the, the cat from outer space, or mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyways, I'm not a Disney guy. No. So, anyways, priest, policeman. And firemen said that while most of the events happened while Marcia was in the rooms, several events happened when she was not in the room or in the house at all. So that kind of makes it tough to pin her down when some of this stuff happened when she wasn't even in the house. Yeah. So at this point, who are they going to call to come to the rescue? Lorraine Bobbitt. (laughs) She was close. Lorraine and Warren. Yeah. And her husband. But that just rolled right off the tongue. What's her husband's name? I don't know. Lorraine and... I don't know. I forgot. Ed. Oh, Ed. How can I forget? I'm sorry, Ed. I forgot your name. Rest in peace, Lorraine. So both Ed and Lorraine said while they were in the house, they experienced this poltergeist activity. Ed said, as a matter of fact, it is Marcia's unhappiness that caused the disturbances. It may have been a combination of a psychic disturbance caused by her angry aura and an evil spirit attracted by that aura. There is definitely something inhuman in that house. I mean, I could see that. I wasn't through with my quote. Oh, dang. Excuse me. Pretend Tracy didn't interrupt. As far as we are concerned, there are definitely evil spirits in that house. Would you like to contribute something? (laughs) (laughs) So at the end of these incidents, there were constant visits by police, firemen, the Warrens, and priests. In and out, in and out, in and out. Yeah. Lorraine said that never in her life had she seen so many firemen and policemen get down on their knees to receive a blessing by a priest just for doing their job. Ooh, that's that's some serious stuff right there. She said they were really at God's mercy in that house, and they knew it. There's a reporter by the name of Tim Quinn. He was sent out there to investigate. So he gets there, and he sees this huge crowd. He's told that there's a religious rite being done in the house right mm-hmm. now by, by the Warrens and the priest. So the Warrens come out, so he goes in. One thing he remembers is seeing a leather chair sitting on a rug. And it was one of those rugs that if you rub it, it leaves like a mark. One yeah. way. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's just like, it's, it's dark how, this way and then you rub it back this way. it's how you feel after you uh, vacuumed your rug and it looks so nice. Right. Yeah, like that. So it's one of those types of rugs that you could just rub one way, it changes colors and blah, 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 blah. He goes and he notices that the back of the chair comes down towards the ground. Think about it. Okay. Leaning back. Oh, okay. Yeah. It scoots forward on the back two legs, but it doesn't leave a mark on the rug, which would have been impossible for this kind of rug. Mm-hmm. He said it was a strange and eerie experience. Keep in mind, this guy was a huge skeptic. Yes. And was kind of a little ticked off that he got sent here to cover the story anyway, because oh. it was just all BS as far mm-hmm. as he was concerned. At one point, two of the neighbors got so fed up with the exposure going on and not being able to get through houses and the crowds and oh, yeah. everything. That's annoying. They tried to burn the house down. <laughs> I 
I did not know you were going to go there with that. <laughs> well, I, and probably not the smartest move considering police and firemen uh, are there on a regular basis yeah. and 2,000 bystanders outside. Yeah, that was pretty stupid. So needless to say, they failed miserably. Then the case was suddenly solved. The police chief came out and said Marcia had confessed to doing all of the activity herself. There is no way that she did that. Before you know it, the crowds went away. Oh. And things began to get back to normal in the neighborhood. So the police lied, in other words, just to get people away. Well, you would think that it's just a, a big hoax, but you're on to something. Oh. Right there. You see, the city was putting all kinds of pressure on the police to rectify the situation as soon as possible because the crowds were a huge problem for safety reasons. Of course. You know, you, you had the traffic backed up for miles. You had all, which that's a problem if you need to get somewhere. Like an ambulance, like, yeah, an or ambulance or something like that. Whatever, to yeah. try to get to and from. You had all those streets blocked. People couldn't get to where they're going. So this takes extra police that had to be out there managing the crowds. Yeah. You know, it's just, and the fire department were constantly running in and out of there. So, I mean, if they were needed somewhere else, mm-hmm. there they are stuck. So, yeah, it was, it was, you know, a deal that they said it was a hoax to fix the problem. The reality is that there were still police and fire department and priests in and out of that place on a regular basis. No policeman ever recanted their reports. So, remember, we said there was all kinds of, none of them ever said none of that ever happened. So... How could Marcia have made a 450-pound refrigerator levitate? There's no way. How could she levitate? Come on now. Right. She couldn't. Sometimes she wasn't even in the room or the house. Now, we mentioned that this was a very small house packed with witnesses. It would have been impossible for a 10-year-old to pull this off. It was understandable why the police chief, Joseph Walsh, did what he did. The disruption went way beyond the block for miles and all the traffic and barricades, obviously. And, and then not to mention the, the people that were just causing mischief out there. You got people trying to burn houses down. You got, you know, whatever was going on out in the streets. It just needed to be done. So police continued to offer protection to the family. The chief also required police officers of this case to participate in a scientific study by two different agencies, the Psychical Research Foundation and the Spiritual Frontiers Fellowship. Obviously, the authorities didn't believe in their own hoax explanation. The study concluded that the events were due to poltergeist activity. Poltergeist activity, like we said, usually involves strange noises or footsteps, movements on property or the destruction of property with no visible physical cause. So this kind of fit the case. Most of the time, this is in the home with prepubescent children. Like we said, Marcia fits that case. She's 10 years old. Mm -hmm. She is a little bit younger than most of these cases. Usually, it involves early teens. Ed Warren and a priest also attribute this event to a demonic presence in the home. Father Bill Sharpinen, who was a regular priest at, at the house, he said, I know the things that I saw and the things that the police saw in my presence. It was real. It was certainly not explicable in normal terms. Father Serpinen had studied uh, paranormal activities in Rome, and he'd been caught in on many exorcisms, so he knew what he was talking about. He was sitting one time with Marcia in the, the kitchen area, 
and she screamed for him to turn around. Just then, a huge bureau, like a giant chest, slid rapidly around one side of the room to the other side. No one around it to touch it, and it weighed a ton. It just slid like it was nothing, like, you know, Mm -hmm. a a giant just pushed it. Man. Later, while they were in the basement, he heard an ugly voice singing. He found the sound coming from Sam this cat. <laughs> this damn cat was talented. <laughs> he was America's got talent or something. <laughs> Good talent. <He's> ready. <laughs> <laughs> A seminary student wrote a 22-page report on this. He witnessed Marcia sitting in a lawn chair that just slid backwards and tumped over. He noticed a plastic crucifix explode into several pieces. First of all, if you're going to have demonic entities in your house, spring for the good metal crucifix. Don't go to, with the plastic. I'm just oh, saying. Oh, yeah, that's true. You don't, there's some things you don't go cheap on. Yeah. And that's one of them. I, I would agree. Underwear and crucifixes. Yeah. Don't go cheap. I agree. Then he said in his report, the family cat sang jingle bells in an inhuman voice. Now you got four people saying they heard this cat talk or sing. Mm-hmm. That's unheard of. I would expect it to say, sing that song, uh, Hello, my honey. Hello, my baby. No, that's oh. just a frog. Okay. Frogs Don't do that. take that song from that frog. <laughs> that's all I got. Is that <laughs> song? Shortly after all this commotion, the family moved out of the house. Marcia moved to Ohio as soon as she was old enough, like, Literally, like 18, she split. Mm-hmm. Moved to Ohio. There was a lot of family problems, but nobody is really sure why she upped and moved. Nobody knows if it had anything to do with the case going on here or if it was just other stuff that teenagers would go through with their parents. Laura Gooden unexpectedly died in an automobile accident in 1994. Aww. Gerard lived into the 1990s when he passed away. Marcia moved back to Canada for a while, and she died in February of 2015. She was 51 years old, and she was a, uh, died of cancer, but she never came out and never spoke about this incident after they moved from that house. Yeah, that was a terrible life. And, I mean, when you think about when the police said, well, she confessed that she did all that herself or whatever, I mean, I'm sure that made a lot of people mad. It had to have. Oh, I'm sure. And she, maybe she feared for her life. I mean, she'd already been bullied all of her life. and I mean, what a horrible life. That was just horrible. Something so sweet could have happened with her being adopted. And then she just, her life was crap. So the question would be today, is the house still haunted? Because that was back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And was it the house? You know, and many times with these poltergeist activities, it's not the house. It's just the person. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Did anybody else move into it? People have off and on through the years. So 50 years later, people are still afraid of the house. Believe it or not. In 2010, one resident parked in front of the house hoping to see something. Mm -hmm. The car horn of his car started going off. Not in a usual way of just going off like when you hit the panic button or whatever the deal was. It was in different tones. The sound was truly evil and terrifying. It would start and be loud and then low and then slowed down. And you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah. So it didn't sound, it sounded like That's demonic creepy. something. It didn't sound like something out of Christine or something yeah. like that. 
he said that it sounded like the sound was actually coming from everywhere in the car all at once instead of like just from the front. And then just like that, it stopped. So that's when he got the hell out of there. (laughs) Bingo. He split. Yeah. That's such an interesting story. So that's the story of 966 Lindley Street. Man. It's so hard to believe that things these people go through. I know it. And like probably on a daily basis and we just never know of any of it. Oh, that's what I'm saying. We run across these stories all the time that nobody's ever heard of. We've got one that we're going to start doing at all the future live shows that, I I mean, I've heard it on one podcast, and that's it. Mm-hmm. I've not heard anybody. I've not seen videos on it. It was actually pretty hard to find stories. We did the, the story for the Indianapolis poltergeist, which was an awesome story yeah. when we were up in Indy. But... I mean, you can't. Even, I can't even find a podcast on that. Not one podcast. So when we do it on here, it'll be the only one that I know of. Oh, cool. That was one of the hardest stories I've ever found to research. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a bunch of cool stories out there that nobody ever knows about. Right. And like that Indianapolis poltergeist, that happened in 1968. Mm-hmm. So you would think that it would be out there with many paranormal fanatics are out there trying to dig up all these good stories. Oh, pardon me. Goodness. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. <laughs> so anyways, that brings us to the middle of the show. And we do have our interview coming up soon with uh, Jeremy and uh, Kaylee from mm-hmm. According to an Idiot, which that that name is very misleading because they're actually very bright college oh, yeah, students. yeah, absolutely. But it, you'll, you'll look like that. So, Tracy, if you would, before we get into some of the shows. Our iTunes reviews this week are from Jim Queso. Yup. Two four three three zero one, Task Force, KT, Am Amgul. I hope I said that right. I'm sorry. Live to shoot, Akalaka, five zero five Banks, AKA Kyle KHG. Thank you guys so much for your reviews. They were all nice, and we appreciate you so much. Our Patreons this week was Sierra Miller. Jeremy and Kim Smith and Connie Glotzbach Sturgeon. Thank you guys so much for your donations and for supporting us. It means everything to us. And um, if you guys have any suggestions on some stories you would like to hear, um, just give us a yell and we'll try to research that for you and get it on. But again, um, thank you guys for everything you do for us. And also, we do... A Patreon show at the beginning of each month where we feature your listener stories. Uh-huh. So if you have listener stories, send them to us and we'll get them on the show. Sometimes we'll have we'll call you and have you tell us the story if you're yeah. so inclined, which we love doing that. And if you'd rather just us read it, then we can do that. But get us those stories because we'll be doing that in about two weeks. Yes. Love you. Love you. All right. Let's talk real quick about live shows. The August shows, the first one is the Sally House show, and we only have one ticket left. Yes. So if you're just single and want to come up there, uh, single lady, want to meet Justin, there you go. That's <laughs> normally what happens. But if you need two tickets and you, and you decide you want to go and you need an extra ticket, we'll make that happen. It won't kill us to have one extra ticket in there. We'll find a way to, to make it work. And, and usually at these events, there's usually a couple people that somehow couldn't make it. So yeah. it'll work out if we need to do that. We're so excited to meet you guys. We cannot wait. 
I was just telling Jerry earlier, I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot even believe that's like three weeks away. That is insane. And then like two weeks later, we have the um, August 24th birthday show yeah. with Tony Bruschi from Real Girl Stories online. We're very excited about that one, too. And that this one's, has been a fun year so far. Yeah, and this, is, sure. this one's one that um, if you haven't bought your tickets yet, it's worth making the trip to Lexington for this because we got a couple of surprises in store that people don't know about yet. Tony Bruschi is going to be there. Tony's never done a live show yet, ever, in like six years of doing this Isn't show. That funny? That's so funny. And we've got him here to do one. So yeah. if you want to hear Tony live, this is the place to come check him out. Yeah. And like I said, we're going to have some fun that night. We'll probably have a big birthday cake and all kinds of stuff. It's going to be a party. Unlike any of our other live shows, this one will be different because we're going to treat it like a party. Yeah, So absolutely. Can't wait to see all of you guys. And then, you know, we got the Mothman thing coming up in, in October. A few little hiccups on that. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it if you've got tickets. Uh, we're good. We just, we're probably, we, well, there's no probably. The venue we were at closed down. <laughs> so we've had a rash of that. That seems to be an occurring <laughs> event with us for some reason. But I'm, but I'm going up. I'm driving two and a half hours to West Virginia to meet with the owner of the Low Hotel, which is a haunted hotel. Yeah. And I, I think we're going to get it worked out to have the event there. So it's going to be even better. Yeah, absolutely. When it's all said and done. Woohoo! Okay, let's take a quick second. Well, by second, like 30 minutes. And listen to Kaylee and Jeremy from According to an Idiot. This is really cool because they tell us the story, the origins and stuff of Black Eyed Children, tell us a couple of Black Eyed Children stories. And they're spooky. Mm-hmm. I don't like black eyed children anyway. Oh, so. I don't either. But these are spooky stories, and they, they do a really good job of, of uh, telling the story. So check them out, and we'll be right back. Hey, guys, I've got some podcasters that I wanted to bring on. And normally I don't just reach out to podcasters, but this time I felt like I needed to. This is uh, Kaylee and Jeremy from According to an Idiot. Did I get that right? Yes, yeah, that's correct. Did. According yeah. to an okay. Idiot. Okay, okay. Now, <laughs> This show, I, I, the, you know, they, they wrote me and said, after a little bit of advice, and normally when this happens, I tune in, and I usually got a laundry list of things that I think can help the show, that we might be able to work on from sound or whatever. Um, I didn't find that on this show. When I, when I turned on this show, I was immediately entertained. I thought the production quality was fantastic, and it, it seemed like the level of quality that you would hear out of the big, big-name podcast out there. So I just want to say, first and foremost, you guys do an awesome job for a fairly new show. Wow, oh you got me that's, blushing yeah. hardcore here, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's it's crazy to hear. I've been such a fan of your show for so long, and to hear you say that is a little bit bizarre, you know? Yeah, it's a, it definitely doesn't feel like reality. Yeah. Well, trust me, we're we're nobody. We're just we're no different than you guys are. We just happen to uh, been doing it a little bit longer and had a few more listens. But trust me when I tell you, we were in your same shoes, you know, two years ago. So yeah. it's 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 we're glad to be able to try to help out a little bit. So tell me a little bit about uh, your guys' show. What you what were your, what your initial plans were for the show, and have you changed it a little bit along the way? What what are you wanting to uh, get forth to your uh, listeners out there? Yeah, I would say it's it's changed 
pretty significantly since we <laughs> yeah, first started. Sure. We actually started recording in a van. That's, that's how. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how grassroots this operation was. Uh, so when we first started, we kind of just I think we were talking one day about I think we were talking about whether or not vampires could have kids into their old age. Some crazy question Um, we were theorizing. It was, I remember exactly what it was. It was, if you could see a vampire through a two-way mirror. Oh, yes, yeah. yeah, Because I I thought, you know, like a mirror, you can't see a vampire. So, like, would a two-way mirror, would you be able to see through it and see a vampire? And we were just kind (laughs) of like, I don't know, just kind of like rambling on about this and talking about it for quite a while. And we just... We, we banter off each other very well. Like, we play off each other. Yeah. And I was just kind of like, hey, Jeremy, this, like, YouTube thing we were trying out, maybe we should just go for a podcast instead um, and try that out. And we kind of had our own interests as far as what we wanted to cover. Jeremy was definitely more of, like, the creepy, spooky uh, type of vibe, and I was more science. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really like science and that kind of thing. So... In the beginning, we had, like, Science Corner that I would go over, and then Jeremy would kind of cover something maybe more on the fringe. Supernatural. I had a, yeah, I had a segment called Spook Squad where, like, I would bring a scary story for the week. And uh, in the early days, it was it was kind of rough. It was, you know, again, it was in a van, so there's only so much you can do in right. a van. And then we slowly sort of said, let's narrow it down. We both really like the paranormal yeah. and, and spooky stuff, and we have fun with it. And so... Uh, a primary focus of the show is to tell a scary story, but we both bring our own uh, stories. They typically cover a certain theme, right? And we uh, we tell them to each other. We normally have minimal information so we can get, you know, our natural reaction to that story, <laughs> you know, live on on the mic. So it's a it's a really fun time uh, for us, and I hope that it translates for the, the listeners. But we just love it. Yeah. Definitely a good well, excuse I, to hang out with a buddy. Yeah, exactly. It's a good way to get to know your friends. I think having a podcast. Yeah. Well. I, I guess that leads us right into what we're going to do next. You guys have prepared a story for us. So uh, these listeners out here are going to get a chance to hear a little taste of your show. So I'm going to just turn the microphone over to you guys and let you tell us some interesting things. That's right. Okay. Well, we decided to discuss a topic that I, as a listener of Paranormal Podcasts, you hear often. It's the black-eyed children. And I believe you guys actually covered it for briefly in an older episode. But yep. uh, the black-eyed children, Kaylee brought up the idea to me of covering this. And at first, I was kind of hesitant because hearing about it, I always thought it was just some sort of rumor, some sort of internet-born whatever. And looking into it, it's more interesting than I thought it was. It's definitely mm-hmm. spookier. It's definitely scarier than I, than I imagined. It's definitely one of those you hear people talking about it and you just kind of believe their genuine reaction to where you're kind of led to believe in it as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, like reading personal stories. Like I was getting like goosebumps and chills and I don't usually get that way. Yeah. So reading about that kind of stuff. What the uh, for those unaware, what the black eyed children are, they are these um, I guess you'd consider them a creature, I I think. Yeah. Uh, They appear in the form of, of children and they normally show up in pairs but they're just regular looking children. They act a little bit strange, but like the kicker is that they have like jet black eyes. Not just like the irises, their entire eyes are black. And they normally want to get access to you for some reason. If you're in a mm-hmm. car, they want to get in that car. They ask for permission. If uh, Typically, you'll hear them knocking on a door and they'll ask to, for entrance into your home, which immediately for me like sets off like vampire alarms where it's like a vampire has to enter your home and yeah, you know, get sure. permission. 
And uh, these aren't exactly vampires because they're like little kids. So it's not <laughs> as scary. But well, uh, don't discount it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I'm sure many people have a fear of children. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah. these kids are, oh, they normally act bizarre. They seem bizarre. They almost seem like they're, they come from out of time. On a lot of accounts, they'll appear late at night, mm-hmm. knock on the door. The uh, homeowner answers the door and the kids will ask if they can come inside to maybe use the telephone use the bathroom. There's even a case where they actually asked to use the telegraph, which kind of had the homeowner stumped because, you know, obviously it's not 1912. Right. Um, What I found, too, is that usually they tend to target women. Yeah. Which is very creepy to me because I'm assuming women tend to have more of a maternal response to, you know, like children in need. So they're going to be more likely to help them out. Yeah. Uh, And usually that's what they do. Like they'll kind of show up and lure you in by asking for help to where you just feel like you need to do something. Yeah. Most of the people that encounter black-eyed children describe a feeling of, like, uncontrollable, like they're not in control of their body. Like they Mm -hmm. start to open the door or they start to let them in. And then, you know, in almost every case you'll hear, they came to their senses at the last second and they didn't do it because we don't know what happens when you let them in. Because, you know, maybe you're not around to tell somebody. Uh, yeah, spooky. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I just want to uh, kick this off with some information and tell you about the origin of these guys and where the story first started. Mm-hmm. So from everything I found, the first instance of the Black Eyed Children came about in around 1996, I think on an old internet forum in the very, obviously, 96, the early days of the internet. My and aim. it was, yeah, yeah, it was uh, reported in Abilene, Texas, by this journalist named Brian Bethel. He wrote for the Abilene Reporter News, and he actually still writes. He's like a normal guy. When I first read about this guy, I was like, oh, he's probably like, you know, off with like... I mean, with the last name Bethel, you kind of have to be weird a little bit, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, but he's he's like a sane person. He writes <laughs> articles to this day about like Congress and stuff, and and you know he's an intellectual. That's he, what you're saying. Yeah, he's a he's a writer. He's a, but being a writer, I thought, well, maybe he's you know you can write fiction, can't you? So mm-hmm. his first account and the first account of the Black Eyed Children goes something like this: One night in Abilene, Texas, Bethel left his apartment to go drop off. I believe it was a check for his internet provider or something along those lines. It was late at night, around 9.30. So he's driving to the sort of drop-off area for this place. He stops. He gets into this parking lot. He pulls over. In the same parking lot, there is a movie theater. So he stops by the movie theater, parks in the parking lot, and starts to write out the check because he realizes, I I don't know why he didn't write it before he left the house, but, you know, everyone makes mistakes. It's Bethel, you know. He begins to write the check. He uses the light off the marquee of the theater to help him write. And as he's writing this check, there's a knock on the window. And he's obviously, if you ever had like the window knocked in your car, your first idea is like, oh, it's probably a cop. Or a murderer. Or or a murderer. (laughs) Um, So he turns and he sees two young children. One is significantly taller than the other, looks around the age of like 14. And there's a shorter one behind him, looks around maybe 10 or 12. He looks at the kids and they're just sort of uh, motioning for him to roll down the window. He rolls down his window and he has this, this gut feeling that he should just drive 
that he shouldn't stop. There's something about these kids. And normally, I mean, I... That's usually how I feel about kids. Yeah, like, there's something about these kids. Like, what do they want from me? What are they, you know, <laughs> have to help find them? They're probably their, their sticky. Mom? Yeah, they there's probably so, just like, ate some, some candy. There's, in there yeah. somewhere. Right. So, you know, maybe they'll ask for money. Maybe they'll ask to help them find their mom. He doesn't know. But he rolls down the window, and he gets a better look at these kids. And the eerie feeling just persists. And he noticed that the smaller boy in the back is looking around nervously, like, almost like he's... Uh, on the lookout for something like he's standing guard and the taller boy that's right in front of the window smiles at him and it's a very eerie smile and he, and he describes how like it makes him feel it makes him feel uneasy and uncomfortable he rolls the window down just enough to talk because he knows like oh, this is this is suspicious and then when he rolls down the window the boy smiles even wider and i don't like he's, that he's got he's got perfectly white teeth that's not natural it's not natal kids for, always have bad teeth well, all they eat is candy and like you know Go to bed without brushing their teeth. And uh, burn. Yeah, yeah, burn all you seven year olds out there. Brush your teeth and floss, please. So the, the the boy says essentially, Hey, we wanna we wanna see a movie, but we forgot our money at home. So could you drive us back to our mom's house so we can get the money? Which is kind of a lot to ask out of a stranger. Like, yeah. you know, who's raising these kids? Like you have some manners. Bethel knew something wasn't right because when uh, the kids spoke Something was off. He spoke like an adult in a kid's body, like he was giving him a weird eye, and he, he sounded like he was faking it, whatever he was asking. Mm-hmm. The kid was also very confident when he, when, he, when he talked, and Bethel described it as he sounded like he was making a demand instead of asking a question. And so Bethel hesitates, and that little voice in the back of his head is telling him just to run, and that voice is getting louder and louder, and he's getting, he's getting anxious. He's probably sweating. As he hesitates, the boy in back turns his attention to Bethel, and kind of looks confused, like he knows something's up. Like, why didn't this guy just let us in? Why isn't this guy? Mm, why right. didn't this guy listen to us? Why didn't my amazing boyish charm? Yeah, work. I know. Like, look at my white teeth. <laughs> the the tall boy uh, talks again, and he says, "You know, please, sir, we just need to go home and get the money. We're just little boys." Which to me that sets off red flags immediately because I don't. I've never heard as someone who was formerly a little boy. <laughs> I don't think I've ever used that in an argument. Like, come on. I'm just a little boy. What am I going to do? Kill you? Yeah. What am I? <laughs> little boys don't kill. Bethel starts to stall, uh, mainly because that was a really weird thing to say. <laughs> he asked them, what movie are you going to see? And this is 1996. And the boy says, uh, Mortal Kombat, which is a video game that was adapted into a movie. I don't know if you've seen the movie, but it's terrible. And, well, I'm assuming, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's the 90s. Remember, it's 930. So he checks the marquee, Bethel does, and he sees the last showing of Mortal Kombat started an hour ago. Also, isn't Mortal Kombat like an R-rated movie? Um, well, this is a pretty tall kid, so <laughs> <laughs> maybe he passes. I don't know. The tall boy says, we can't get into your car unless you let us in. You know, we got to get to our mom's house. Just, just drive us to our mom's house, and then we'll be gone. We'll be out of your hair. It's, everything will be fine. And Bethel finds himself falling into the sort of trance. Mm-hmm. And before he knows it, his hand, without out of his control, is inching towards the lock on the car door. Right. And he's starting to open the handle. Go over and slap him. Yeah. Don't disrespect me right. like that again, yeah. <laughs> tall boy. That's right. Don't tell me what to do, please. <laughs> when Bethel snaps back out of that trance, he notices that the boy's eyes, there's something wrong with them. They're totally black, both of them. The, their eyeballs are just jet black like obsidian. So he starts to freak out. And then the boys start to freak out. They get louder and they start asking him again and again. And the tall one says, you know, we won't hurt you. This is actually a direct quote. We won't hurt you. You have to let us in. We don't have a gun. 
which I again excellent arguing from this kid. You know, we're just little boys. We don't even have a gun. Oh right. I mean, what why am I are you gonna do? No? Yeah. Strangle you with my child hands? Yeah, exactly. Whenever I want someone to do a favor for me, I say, Hey, can you wash the dishes? I I I don't have a gun. I don't have a gun. I mean, this is America. Come on. That seemed to be enough for Bethel to kind of you know, throw the car into reverse and step on the gas. <laughs> and he just sort of speeds backwards to the parking lot. And when he looks back outside of the theater, there's no one there. And there uh. possibly never was. Uh. So that was the first ever report of the Black Eyed Children. And from there, from ni- 1996, there's, there seems to be a lot more to the story that is continuing. Yeah, yeah what did you find on that, Keely? I mean, I was born in 1996, so I Same. feel like my birth probably spawned all these children, all the probably, demons. Probably, I think, yeah. Straight out of my mother's womb. The curse womb. of Kaylee. <laughs> that would be cool, right? No. Your name is Trevor Noah. It's a curse. No, I kind of scoured the internet as one does for creepy stories. Yeah. And I actually stumbled upon a whole subreddit that's dedicated to black-eyed children's stories. Okay. And there's one that for some reason really stuck out to me I don't usually get like goosebumps or like hair standing on the back of my neck but this I don't know what it was like in this story I just felt like I could relate to the girl a lot like I could definitely see myself in this situation which I think is why it kind of affected me the way it did but this story takes place in Alabama, and it's a young adult, lives on her own, you know, has her house. And she was just kind of hanging out in the living room. She was reading some black-eyed children stories, actually, and hmm. some real-life men in black stories. So she's okay. already kind of like a fringe enthusiast. enthusiast yeah. yeah, She explained that while she really likes to read those stories, she never actually believed in the paranormal. Okay. She was actually like a strong cynic. Yeah, yeah, strong skeptic for sure. But she has two dogs with her, and one of the dogs went towards the door like it needed to go out, but it started growling at the door. And she was already kind of unnerved about this by, you know, reading kind of creepy stories. Yeah, and totally. her dog was a puppy, so it never, like, by puppy, I mean like six months. So it never had growled at anything before. Okay. So this was kind of like a red flag. And then shortly after that, her other dog started just trembling and whining. And this dog was much older. So this was definitely out of the norm for both of the dogs. Yeah. So instantly, it's like you're reading creepy stories. Yeah. You're in the living room. Yes. All the lights are off. Mm -hmm. All the blinds are closed. It's like 2 a.m. It's the worst thing ever. It's the worst worst. situation. Your dogs are freaking out. And then pounding on the door started. Okay. Okay. Dogs usually, you know, get excited, you know, especially if they love people. You know, knocking on the door means people are going to come. So, so they're they, going to get all hyper yeah, and they're excited. they're going to start barking and freaking um, out, naturally. They didn't do this. They ran away from the door. Oh, God. When the pounding started. And this young lady didn't have a peephole for her door. So she ended up having to look through the blinds. Oh, no. <laughs> Which is not an <laughs> ideal scenario I would, I would in would rather die. I'd rather die. Right. Than see I would follow the, why on isn't the door. she following the dogs? Right. I don't, <laughs> they know like, what to do. Morbid curiosity. But she looks through the blinds and she sees two little boys. She says about the age of a five or ten. There's two. One five, one ten. And it's really dark so she can't see them very well. And her house, like I said, all the lights are off. You know, all blinds are closed. It's like 2 a.m. Right. So there's no way that they could see her. And she says that they kind of have their heads down and they're wearing winter clothes, like really heavy jackets. 
And this is in the middle of the summer in Alabama. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like wow. immediately like already freaked out. And that itself is just like a big red flag. Right. And if that wasn't enough, they both turn to look her dead in the eyes while she's peeking through the blinds uh, at these kids. Mm -hmm. So as you do, (laughs) you sprint away from the window and you go hide on the couch with like a blanket and you like put it over your head. But she hears the kids. They're like banging on the store and they say to her, ma'am, can you let us in? And her little child voice which is unnerving in itself it's so weird how um, sometimes manners manners are good but also placed rightly manners are the scariest yeah. thing you can ever hear right so you go yeah ma'am can you let us in it's really cold out here and my brother is hungry this is middle of the summer in alabama they're wearing heavy coats and they're saying it's extremely cold oh, so the, the, right the, the whole the whole situation itself is very bizarre and they shouldn't have known that she was a woman at all because her house was so dark but they also right. saw her dead in the eyes. Right. Well, they also should have known it wasn't winter. Right. She didn't reply, and she just kind of moved away, tried to hide on the couch. But she said the voice was completely void of emotion. Hmm. It was extremely calm, and they sounded old. Like, they, they weren't speaking like a child. They were speaking right. like an adult, yeah. which is kind of a common theme with these stories. Which, right. To me, is extremely creepy. I know. Thinking yeah. of like a child talking to me like an adult, it's like, ew, like go play with a squirt gun or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't yeah. Go find Mortal Kombat and we'll go watch right. it. <laughs> but she says she has this overwhelming sense of dread. Mm-hmm. Like it's just radiating right. off them and she can't like shake this feeling of just something really awful is going to happen. Yeah. Uh, she knew that if she opened this door that there there would be like no going back. Yeah, it's like it's the same voice that Bethel had in his head of like just drive, just get out of here, something's right. not right. But at the same time, no matter how scared she was and how much the situation didn't make sense, there was this like uncontrollable urge to help. Mm-hmm. Like she was being pulled to them yeah. and like she just had to help them. She hand, couldn't get that, them out of her yeah, mind. It's a hand reaching towards the lock on the door. Right. So she was able to suppress this urge enough. And the kid replied, ma'am, please let us in. I saw you in the window. I know you're there. It will only take a moment. Uh, what is he, a salesman? Right. What child speaks what? like that? <laughs> oh, my No, goodness. thanks. So, like any reasonable person, she's completely frozen in fear and just, Mm -hmm. like, doesn't say anything. And they start pounding on the window. Let us in, please. It's cold and we have to call our mom. She'll be worried if we don't call her. Which, okay. Um, Again with the mother. First of all, I'm sure your mom's probably worried if your two kids out at 2 a.m. banging on random people's doors. Maybe you shouldn't have done that to begin with. (laughs) She stays silent. She's unmoving. Eventually, like, 30 minutes go by, and she doesn't hear from them. So she runs up to her room to be with her dogs to kind of comfort herself. Right. And she calls her friend. And this friend originally told her to look into black-eyed children's stories. So she's like... (laughs) It's all your fault. Right. I hate you. (laughs) You will not believe what just happened. I need you to come over. Like, she's crying, just extremely, like, terrified, desperate. Uh, The friend agrees immediately and she only lives like five minutes away so she should be there you know immediately she's only gonna live another five minutes because those kids are gonna kill her (laughs) what a dumb friend right well like 15 minutes go by and her friend still hasn't shown up 
Yeah. So she's getting worried, you know, like what happened to my friend. And eventually she does pull in. She she sees the headlights and the friend sprints out of the car and just starts banging on the door, like Ooh. desperate to get in. Right. So she's obviously like she's sobbing. She's like terrified. And the first thing that she says to her is, you aren't going to believe this. But I swear to God, I just encountered the two kids you told me about. Mm. Like, mm. instant, like, goosebumps. Um. The friend explains that she was at a stop sign on the way to her house. And she checked her phone for a second when this kid knocked on her window. She looked up, but the streetlights went out, so she couldn't see their face. But there was another kid with them. She cracked the window and asked, you know, can I help you? Why are, why are you banging on my window? <laughs> yeah. Please leave. <laughs> hey, 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 please stop. Hey, please stop doing that, please. And she said the kid was extremely demanding and had a very confident voice and just said, give us a ride. Wow. They like, really, they, they, rude. <laughs> yeah, they really unlearned those manners from 1996. <laughs> she didn't say anything in, to reply to them. And she said the kid stepped toward her car and he was now close enough to where she could see that he just had jet black eyes. Mm. Wall to wall, no white just complete obsidian. She said she had the intense urge to drive away, but she was just pulled into his stare. She found her body kind of moving without Mm -hmm. her, going to open the door. But right before she actually managed to open the door, she snapped out of it and just slammed on her gas pedal to get away. Yeah. She obviously ended up making it to the house. But one thing that really stuck out to me about this story is that they say, according to the Black Eyed Children's stories, if you know about them, then they're going to visit you. Oh. <laughs> and they usually pay you more than one visit. <sighs> oh. Sounds like the in-laws. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that in itself, it's like, I, yeah. I have a feeling. I don't like, well, I'm going to get we some just, child yeah, to visit me. We just ruined our weekend. That's what we just Right. Did. I'm going to be like petrified. Okay. Well, sorry, Jerry. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Jerry. <laughs> sorry, viewers. Yeah, everybody. I did look into another story that kind of had some more information that I would like to share. The story I was reading was based in Ireland. She had an encounter with a black-eyed child, and she called her grandmother, who lived in like the 1910, 1920s. And she had a lot of information about the Fae. And Mm -hmm. she felt the Black Eyed Children felt into the Fae category. Aren't the Fae fairies? Yeah. From like Gaelic folklore? Right. So they're like fairies, which essentially just means otherworldly. Yeah, like spirits. Type spirits. And the grandmother explained that there are two groups to the Fae. They're the evil Fae who collect souls, specifically of children, to act as slaves to the Fae king. And then there's also the kind Fae who like and help humans. But those are boring, so we're not going to talk about those. (laughs) 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 So the evil Fae are known to take shape of a human child or of a beautiful woman, depending on the prey, as those are the two shapes that tend to be the most pleasing and that will get the most sympathy. Yeah. Which makes sense. Which makes sense. Right, a beautiful woman to a man. Yeah. Of course I'll let you into yeah. my house. Get in my um, car. It's totally fine. No, pr- yeah, <laughs> no please, problem. Please. I'll, I'll see Mortal Kombat with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, go, let's go watch the 930 showing of right. Mortal Kombat. And then the children tend to gravitate towards the women. So yeah. trying to tap into that maternal instinct. instinct for sure. But one thing 
specific about Fae is that they can't enter a person's home because it's protected by human energy. They have to be invited in as that would lower the guard that surrounds the home. Wow. Which is just like weird to think that I just have human energy. Right. I repel the Fae <laughs> yes. with my existence. <laughs> You're an AC unit. <laughs> the Fae are attracted to thoughts of themselves. Oh. So if you spend a lot of time thinking or speaking of them, then you are more likely to come across one. Which kind of there we go plays into the thought that you get one more than one visit because if you get visited once, of course you're gonna think about it. Yeah, they know nonstop. The, yeah. <laughs> yep, they, that's the best house on the block. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then if you know about them, then they're more likely to visit you because you're gonna be thinking about them. Right. Luckily, we do have some deterrence to spooky, spooky, <laughs> spooky, spooky. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Black-eyed children. Old grandma, old nanan says that uh, in order to protect yourself, you can salt your windows and doors and sage the inside of your home. So I guess to like, I don't know. And to double up on that human energy repellent, you can also get that sage repellent and the nice salty windows. Go on down to Home Depot and buy yourself some sage. (laughs) It's like the the kids are pounding on the windows and they notice the salt and they just have to lick it up and they (laughs) run away. Like they're like snails. Satiated. (laughs) And she says that the origin of the fair black-eyed children is likely from Americans bringing relics from the fairy hills from Ireland to America. Yeah. So they probably brought the fay along with them. Through Ellis Island and all that, the big immigration in, uh, the, uh, in yeah. the early 20th century. Wow, that's, so, that's spooky. Sorry, Americans. Yeah, sorry, guys. We're stuck with them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and now that you know about them, expect a visit. So that just about closes up our... Uh, yeah, our little segment. Segment on the black-eyed children. <laughs> I don't know. If you like that, then check us out. Yeah. We got more stories for you. Yeah. Well, and and that was a a pretty good demonstration of what your show is. I mean, like I said, I've listened to several episodes and, you know, you guys do uh, a little bit of talking back and forth before the story. That's that's really fun banter. I I enjoy that as much as I do the stories. And then the stories themselves are are pretty fun. So, I mean, I I, I love the the show and I think this was a good representation of what you get when you tune in. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Jerry. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you like us in general. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Thanks for talking to us. <laughs> Guys, tell everybody how they can keep up with you on social media and how they can uh, find your show. If you did enjoy listening to this, you can get in contact or you can listen to our podcast anywhere podcasts are available, pretty much. Uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. You can follow us on Twitter at Idiots Accord. And we also have a Facebook and Instagram at According to an Idiot. And we also have an email address. So if you want to get in contact with us or suggest topics, or just want to say hello, yeah. our email is according to an idiot at gmail.com. Kaylee, Jeremy, it was been awesome having you on. I'm, I'm glad we could put this together in such uh, short notice because we actually just done this, what, in the last two days. So yeah. it's been fun. Well, yeah. thank you so much for the opportunity. This was such, it's so bizarre to be on Hillbilly Horror Stories because I'm such a fan of the show. I know. I never thought I'd, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's awesome. It's, it's wild. It's weird having interest in general. But it, it means a lot that you actually enjoy it and you're willing to, you know, feature us on your show. Well, it's so. like I said, it's it's something that we were lucky enough to have a break back in the day. We like to be able to provide those whenever we can. And like I said, especially when the show is as entertaining as yours, I, I get excited about being able to bring you to the masses, so to speak. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. you. That, that, that feels good to hear. It really does. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much and best of luck in the future. Thank okay. you. Thank you, you, as you well. too. Have a good night. So, how fun are they? 
they are, and they're going to do wonderful things in the podcast world. I, I just so. know they are. I believe so. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's show. It does. And I uh, just want to say happy new week for you guys and hope it's a good one for you all. I'm going to surround myself with like 10 kids tomorrow at <laughs> Great Wolf Lodge. Yep, up in Cincinnati area. Yep. So that ought to be fun. A couple days up there. So, Which means I get a vacation. Oh, that's true. You do, actually. <laughs> so, but anyway, I hope you all have a blessed week. And uh, tell each other you love each other. Just do it. Always makes you feel better. So Coda's birthday, since you guys love Dakota, her birthday is Tuesday? Yes. Is it Tuesday? Tuesday, yes. And Adam Berry from Kindred Spirits sang happy birthday to her. And I thought I would throw that on here for at the end of the show. Oh, she'll like that, honey. So we'll uh, have Adam Berry's singing take you out. I love y'all. Hey, Dakota, this is Adam Berry from Kindred Spirits, and I wanted to wish you happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Dakota. Happy birthday to you. I hope you have a great day and a great year and just knock it out of the park. Okay? Bye. Hey, this is Tony Bruschi from the podcast Real Ghost Stories Online and the Grave Talks. Cannot wait for August 24th to be with Hillbilly Horror Stories for their birthday live show at Columbia Steakhouse in Lexington, Kentucky. Tickets are only $15. You can get them through hillbillyhorrorstories.com. It's going to be a fun night as we hang out, do an episode of Hillbilly Horror Stories Live, talk ghosts, talk the undead. Maybe we'll even witness the ghost of a cow. It's a steakhouse, after all. You hear those mysterious moves? You got to wonder... Are they back with blue cheese and mushrooms and onions on top? Delicious ghosts. Anyway, we'll see you there. Saturday night, August 24th, Columbia Steakhouse, Lexington, Kentucky. Real Ghost Stories Online, The Grave Talks, and Hillbilly Horror Stories for their birthday show. Get your tickets now at hillbillyhorrorstories.com.